Hello and welcome back, friends. Hope you had a great holiday season. Hope your 2020 is off to an awesome start. Now, I've been kicking around an idea, a way for everyone to kind of get involved with the show. And here it is. If you've been involved with BG for very long, chances are you've had an awkward, uncomfortable, or a bad demo somewhere in your territory. And I want to hear about it. What I'd like you to do is send me an email. You can either write it out or you can record an audio or video file and send it to me at smokeandburnpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, what I'm going to do is kind of collect these stories when we've got enough to make a whole show out of it. I'm going to put it all together, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So submit your stories for a chance to be featured on the show, and thanks for listening. Have a good week. Welcome to Smoke and Burn. Uh, today I'm joined with Mike Keen of BG Nebraska and BG Minnesota. Kind of got a, a foot in both states, huh, Mike? I do. I do. And thank you for having me, Casey. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Mike and I have known each other for a few years. Uh, when I joined with BG Products, you know, and they first sent me out into the field, uh, his distributor, Bob Oliver, was nice enough to like welcome me in, even though I had no clue what I was doing. And the first person he sticks me with is Mike. So we rode around. You told me a bunch of funny stories. And uh, I think we worked on a PVP program. It was a good time. We did. It was my first interaction with 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 you, Casey, out in the field, and and the feedback I got just because of the different point of view that you had. I remember the the, the debrief on the feedback talking about the value that a used car manager would have versus a service manager because it was really the first time I had worked at the front end of a dealership like that. Well, I am full of valuable insight, so it's obvious. I should have braced you for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, give me a little rundown on your work history, because if I'm remembering correctly, didn't you start out uh, selling cell phones? Cell right? phones. Yeah, I, I, I started. It was my first commission job. I was 15 years old. Um we, I worked for a little audio video boutique that sold, uh, obviously, stereos, car stereos. That's what got me into it, um, appliances. But they also started to sell cell phones. Uh, I'm dating myself when I tell you this, but I, I would sell, like, the Motorola brick phone. Um, I remember the first phone I sold. It was $1,000 for the phone, and it was the Zach Morris brick phone. And the rate plan was forty nine ninety nine. It included 30 minutes and if you went over those 30 minutes, it was $1.99 a minute. And that gave you access to a home tower. That home tower gave you maybe a, a 20 square mile radius. And if you went <laughs> off that home tower, it was $5.99 to access another tower. And that didn't include your rate plan. So then it was that $1.99 a minute. But there was a market there and you know that first cell phone i sold i was hooked immediately on commission sales because i made 250 dollars on the phone and then we got 200 percent of the rate plan so 
250 on the phone. It was a $50 rate plan. I made a hundred bucks on that. Um, it, it was, it was an amazing time to be a cell phone salesman. going to say, if you bought a, a phone in the nineties, you were getting hosed mostly by Mike. <laughs> if it were possible, if I could talk you into it, but it gave me a free cell phone. So I, you know, I, I what other 15 year old is rolling around with the cell phone? Um, oh, besides man. Zach Morris, I, it was, it was great. I, I felt like I was the coolest kid on the block. Just popping around in your in your Fiesta with your shoulder strap phone. Oh, G body Oldsmobile, buddy! I was cool. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I did that all the way through. I actually continued to sell cell phones while I was in college because, again, the money was easy, and then it, it got a little bit cheaper. And and we were in college. Everybody needed a phone to be able to call long distance to talk to their parents. So I did it all the way through to the point where it moved me of all places to. Lincoln, Nebraska. And that is actually how I found an entry point into BG. My secretary at the time, her husband was, uh, he worked for Ken's and Leslie. They owned Nebraska back then. And um, he, he would come in on lunches. I got to know him pretty well. And one day she knew that I wasn't super happy doing what I was doing. At that point in time, I was managing uh, Eastern Nebraska for Cellular One, um, which became uh, voice stream, which became T-Mobile. <laughs> so um, uh, I was managing a whole bunch of retail outlets and all I was doing was hiring those young kids, just like I was to come in. I would train them for a year or two. Um, they would, they would leave. It was just a constant revolving door. Um, oh, man. So uh, she knew that that wasn't pleasing me anymore. And uh, Ken's and Leslie had an opening. Um, they had a guy that was actually going to move for them down to Phoenix. And uh, they told me that that they would like me to come in. And I remember going into the interview, I, I you know, I was in a suit and tie job. So I just, I went over for lunch and we I went into the warehouse. They had a beautiful warehouse back then, a huge facility. And, I, you know, I'm looking around at, at, at the time, I just knew nothing of the industry. I saw a Chimo van and a bunch of cases of pop or what they looked like to me. <laughs> I, I sat in on an interview and, and I remember thinking, you think that I can drive around in that vehicle selling these expensive cases of pop and make six figures? You know, you're crazy. I, I, but I, I, I'm a, I'm, I'd like to think I'm a gentleman. So I, I, I went through the interview. Um, I believed them, but it just seemed like such a foreign concept to me. I, I've always been a car guy, not the kind of guy that changes in his oil or drives a Camaro, more like embarrassingly back in those days, kind of like a ricer. Like I liked a lot of plastic. I thought they were cool. You know, I'm the, the Celica guy that, that, that looks fast. That's all I wanted. Yeah, so, that was the know, thing then. Oh, the more what? plastic, the better. I was a connoisseur of, of those vehicles. And so I, I, you know, I didn't have a shop. I, I hadn't lived in town a tremendously long time. And one of the things they, they encouraged me to do was just go ask a few people. And cause I'd never heard of BG again. So I went to three or four different shops uh, just to check it out. And every single one of them were, described BG as what a wonderful product it was. You know, I think that they could kind of tell that I was maybe interviewing for a job because, or they knew that there was an opening because they, they'd ask me, are, are you, are you applying with them? Or why are you asking questions about it? And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I told him and, and every single person I talked to said, it's, it's a company that I would work for. So, uh, I, 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 I was offered the job and I took it and that started me down this road. That was 17 years ago now. 
I, I, I've talked about it before, you know, especially now that I'm in a position where I'm interviewing salesmen and talking to applicants and stuff like that. It's really hard to describe the BG business without sounding like exactly the same pitch as a pyramid scheme. It, it does. Like I, it's, it's like you own your own business and your income potential is is unlimited, you know, so long as you're out there making it happen. And, you know. Set your own schedule. You do what you need to do. Oh, it has all the hallmarks of like a uh, South American goji berry drink juice business. Oh, or something. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have an internal joke because a few of us uh, had looked at a few, you know, you, you get as a salesman, if your account is into Mona V or whatever it is at the time, you, you oh, listen man. to it. Um, I, I remember listening to one about coffee and, and you know, I think a, a few of us had actually given him some money. And, you know, the main pitch was it's simple. It's easy. It's coffee. And we did it, uh, you know, for about a week. <laughs> what I ended up with was some really good green tea out of the deal. Oh, yeah. They're great at selling you the starter pack. Yep. Like there's yep. definitely at one point there was a Mary Kay starter pack in our in our household. And, you know, we uh, we struggled to get rid of it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, it's almost there's like nothing a worse. fruit cake gift at Christmas. Like, hey. I think that you'd really enjoy some of this special coffee. And I know you're a coffee connoisseur. Why don't you give it a try? Oh, man. The berry thing was really annoying for a while because it was like you had a cut. You had one guy in every dealership that had gotten hooked on like this berry juice pyramid scheme. And they all wanted to take you to lunch. And you're like, oh, not again. (laughs) I've heard it, but I like you and you have the potential of benefiting me as a BG guy. So I guess we're going to lunch. Yeah, exactly. And they always want, it's not like they want to take you someplace real nice, like Olive Garden, you know, but I think I scored some chilies out of it. Oh yeah. You know, uh, the, I imagine the twofer at Applebee's is a real popular pyramid pitched place now. Yeah. If I have to listen to this, I'm at least going to get some barbecue sauce on my polo. You know? <laughs> Man, so how long have you been with BG then? So, uh, yeah, 17. I think I'm, I, I, you know, you lose track of it. Uh, the other day, I, I, I lost track of, of years in my actual life. I, I was telling somebody that I was 42. It turns out I'm 44, but I'm pretty sure I'm on 17, <laughs> working on 18 now. I in your defense, it. It's, uh, it changes so often, you know? Yeah, yearly. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's, that's a long time, though. And so you started out as a salesman with Ken's and Leslie, and then you've you know, what, what, what's your role now? Give me a, kind of your title of, of your position now. So my, my title is director of sales. I, I get to do it in, in both Nebraska. And then we have uh, the Southern half, basically of the state of Minnesota. It's not really the half it's, it's the half population mark. So we, we, we go right up to the cities, um, neighboring Tingle on the North and uh, Rick Beller on the South. Good old Tingle. Now, for those of you that don't know, and, and if you're not a distributor, you know, you don't get to see all the reports and stuff like that. But uh, BG Nebraska is an absolute juggernaut. I mean, in terms of like penetration with the cars that you guys have, you do a lot with them. And there's a lot to be said for that. It's a credit to your guys' organization. Um, Nebraska is a little newer to you guys, right? Nebraska is where we actually had, had our home base 
Bob. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I yeah, Minnesota's newer to us. But yeah, Nebraska was Ken's and Leslie. Uh, uh, Bob, I, a number of our guys uh, had originally started with K&L. Um, and, and Bob was lucky enough to be able to to purchase it from, from a, a well-run organization. So he came in. And uh, I think at that point in time, we were... Uh, <laughs> we were about half the size that we are now. So he's taken it. I'm going to say he's had it for about eight years and, you know, under his leadership, we've been able to, to basically double, uh, if not more than that in the last, in the last really six, seven years. Now I actually got to spend some time up there. You know, when I first started with, uh, with BG corporate working with some of the sales guys, Robert Oliver and, and, uh, some of the other guys that you guys had up there, uh, Scott, Scott Krause, he's still with you, right? Oh yes. Scott is with us. He, he, he was an original hire in Minnesota and, uh, affectionately known as Dr. Krause, uh, ever since. Oh yeah. He's, there's a, that guy's got a brain on him. He doesn't forget things, and he, uh, you know, this is the joy of being able to do it with, with a wide variety of, of of cast and crew members. Uh, Scott is one of those guys that will research it through and through. He doesn't want to just know the answer; he wants to know the why, and and that's what makes him very special. Along with again being able to remember all of it. Yeah, he he does have a remarkable memory. You know, he he calls me once in a while to ask me a question. I'm like Scott, I. I have nothing profound for you. <laughs> like I don't have a single bit of information that you don't already possess somewhere in, in that thing. So now, uh, Minnesota, uh, you know, you ex- kind of give kind of give everybody like a, a little background on the situation that you walked into there because uh, coming from Nebraska, where you guys had such a, a, you know, a stranglehold on the market. I, you know, Minnesota was a big change for you guys, right? It, it was a completely different market, uh, certainly for me. I, you know, uh, Bob, I think, had a little bit better idea of what it was going to be because, uh, you know, he's been with BG for, uh, you know, uh, I want to say 25 years at least, if not more. But, you know, he started a market. So he knew what it was like to try to build a name. Um, I did not. I, I was lucky enough to, to step into a situation that K&L had been running effectively with, with I want to say, the BG format for a while. They had a name that we could we could lean against. Uh, I never made a cold call in Nebraska or a new call where, you know, they, they not only knew who we were, but they had a, a, maybe even a personal story about one of my teammates or one of the guys that had come before me. Um, stepping into Minnesota was quite a different situation. They had some knowledgeable guys up here, but they 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 weren't run like the atypical distributor of today. They were not commissioned salespeople, so you know they had a few accounts. But if if the office received a call from an account that was maybe a hundred miles away, um, I, I think a lot of times what they might have done or must have done is just drive out to that account and dropped off that case of transmission kits, made sure they didn't need anything else, and then went back to the office and waited for that next phone call. So well, I mean. You know, don't waste time or anything. 
That's it. And one of the hallmarks <laughs> of, of Bob's uh, contributor, the way that he has run us is we have a, we have a daily expectation of making two new calls or and two demo or trainings a week. And it's a minimum, but you know, everything was truly a cold call up here. I would, uh, we would walk into a place and, you know, I'd try a variety of different techniques, but, you know, eventually you got to let them know that you're with BG and you'd get that just dumbfounded look from across the counter. And, you know, you, you want to make a relation to it. So yeah, I would refer to wins or justice brothers or mock, or a lot of times I'd have to get all the way down to Seafoam, which is a local product here. And, and, unfortunately esteemed um or or maybe amsoil before they'd go oh that's what you guys do and those bricks love seafoam oh uh, minnesotans will live and die by it you know that that has (laughs) so many problems for them um uh, it's 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 funny because in nebraska i I do my best never to downplay our competition again it's one of the hallmarks that you know i I think that really k and l instilled it bob almost insists upon it you know you don't want to speak poorly of of your competition but seafoam and heat you know those are a couple products i think most educated technicians will 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 understand and so I, I i had to learn not to use that as a negative up here because you know uh that that's the equivalent of telling somebody their mother's ugly a lot of times right so somebody in the crowd is invested in seafoam and seen it work you know i mean it might have been in a 79 dodge in 1978, you know, somehow, some way in that new car, it started right up that winter. But um, but they uh, they they definitely hold it with high esteem. There aren't a lot of shelves or, or technician benches where you don't still see it. And granted, nowadays it might be a five or ten year old can, but but they're not throwing it away because that's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's always hard to dance around those things that people hold sacred, you know, this this goofy product that we know really doesn't have much value. You know, I always try to like say, yeah, you know, technology's changed a lot over the years. And, and I'll tell you this, you know, I work on a lot of old motorcycles. You know, an old motorcycle, seafoam's not a bad product, you know, if you're working with all over-the-counter stuff, but you know, ours is more prescription strength. And for today's engines, it's just a it's just a more robust chemistry. It's a better way to clean up deposits on today's vehicles. I, I've, prescription strength, you hit on a very good term. It's something I, I, I don't know where I've picked it up. It very well could have been you, but it's, it's a great way to really get them to understand what we are and why you may not have seen it on a lot of counters. Because, you know, a whole lot of the things that we use, you have to be properly trained because it, it is prescription strength. You know, I, 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 I'm an analogy guy. So a lot of times I'll tell them, you know, I've, I've been, uh, you know, uh, maybe out a little bit too late on a night and, and had to take a few aspirin the next morning. And, you know, I, I think most Americans are, well, if one's good for you, uh, two or three, you know, that'll knock it out quicker. And so then I, I try to describe to them that, that that may be the case. And, and frankly, I have seen people dump in two bottles, three bottles of seafoam. Um, but I, I want to make sure that they're well enough trained and that they wouldn't do that. You know, you, you dump in a, a two or three cans of a 44K into that motorcycle engine. You're not going to like the results. Yeah. Go big or go home. That's, uh, that's what Johnny Tsunami said. <laughs> that's exactly it. Because if you take three or four hydrocodones, you know, it can kill you. Yeah, it's not recommended. No. It's actually 
it's actually a common practice right now, but <laughs> I, I, I'm from the Midwest, you know, the junction of 80 and 35. Uh, we, we like, uh, like most places here, opiates are, are amazing. <laughs> so, okay. So you came into this with no automotive background, you know, and I was kind of in the similar boat, like, Coming up through the ranks, like what were the things that you found just the most intense? What was the hardest stuff that for you to 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 step out on a limb and do for the first time? Anything to do with the equipment outside of the brake and power steering machine. You know, I, I those those were pretty easy. They're pretty easy systems. Uh, you know, they're they're easy to tap into. I guess that's what I'm going to tell you. But you know, uh, the old PF5s, the spigot style machines. I'm sure you got a few of them out in the territories. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, uh, just finding the 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 transmission line is one thing. I learned very early on to carry fives. And the reason I would carry fives is because if I had to do a demo, I'd, I'd find that lead tech and uh, I'd give them five or $10 to make sure that I didn't make a fool of myself or, you know, to be my <laughs> Vanna White, for instance, because I, I can personally tell you uh, more than one instance where I, I encouraged maybe the wrong line and was helped out by a very nice tech, but I have hooked a PF5 up to a power steering line before. And oh, no. the car started, as I started to show them and talk to them about the machine and its functionality during the service, I referred to the gauges and I said, you're going to see that a vehicle like this Ford Taurus, I remember it to the day, uh, you know, you're going to run maybe 15, 20 pounds of pressure. And as I pointed down towards the gauges, they were pegged. And, you know, I remember, shut it off, shut it off, shut it off. And by the time, unfortunately, it had shut off, the, those Ford power steering pumps were vented. Uh, the caps on the, the reservoir were vented with a, like almost a needle hole. And, and b before I knew it, it was shooting out of that needle hole like a laser beam straight to the, <laughs> the car. I'm pretty sure I went through all those $5 bills that I carried in the car wash and most of the brake clean that I had on the van to make that right. But so much pressure, it cut a hole in the hood. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it was very, uh, it was very memorable, I think for all parties involved. But you know, the thing is, is if you own those mistakes, uh, the, those are some of the the technicians that I have the absolute best relationships with to this day. And the service manager at that particular location is John McAuliffe, who has now been with our company for about six years. And, you know, I, he wouldn't have come to that company or if, if I would have just embarrassed myself and walked away, you know, put my head down and like, oh, I guess I can't come back here. You know, it, it, it bonds you that the egg on the face will always uh, really create a relationship if you're willing to own the mistake and let them know. You know, the first thing that comes out of my mouth anymore is I'm not a trained technician. You know, I respect the heck out of those guys because they really are, for the most part, doctors anymore. But the difference is oh, the doctor yeah. gets multiple tries to get it right. You know, uh, if, if you have to go back to the doctor because you have an ache in your back, you know, you're not yelling at his manager that this visit's free, you know, um, a technician has to deal with that. And, and that is an amazing talent to be able to deal with day in and day out. Yeah. I literally is, as 
Last Monday, I let a technician spray himself in the face with transmission fluid when I was supposed to be watching him and guiding him through the service. Just emptied the machine, forgot to bleed the pressure, and we go to fill it again. He opens that little valve on the side, and man, it was just a geyser out of that plastic bottle. Hit him right in the head. It, it doesn't take much. Uh, you know, I, I always preach the, the red rain because it doesn't matter how high the roof is in a dealer or in an independent garage. If you have the right situation and open up that big ball valve, that cannon of a funnel will create red rain over easily two or three bays. And I, I just end up anymore telling people, if it happens, it'll only happen once because everybody else will start to really pay attention to why that happened. Yeah, it's like the the trans-fluid yeet cannon. That's exactly it. Or, you know, I mean, even if the, I, the, the worst is what I feel bad for the guys that when you're filling it, especially if you're a manual fill, you're letting the air vent out the side and – you know, you, you just forget to close that ball valve. You get the top one closed, but you forget to close the bottom one. And, you know, you, you have a lake of transmission fluid because it's amazing. Two, three quarts, uh, when it's taking the path of least resistance right out the side of the machine, um, it, it, it's, it's quite a mess. Oh, yeah. Well, and you bring up a good point, you know, especially for guys that are coming into this business without automotive experience, without really knowing the, the machines inside and out, you know, you you can't stress enough the value of just falling on the sword when something goes wrong. You know, if you're humble and you take responsibility for a mistake, not only will they let you go, but generally you can twist that into a positive thing. Almost always. Again, if you're willing to be humble or empathetic, if if it didn't happen on your watch, if, if you can show empathy, it's amazing where that will get you as far as a relationship. And, you know, a, a relationship is, is everything in our business. I think that it's it's one of the hallmarks of success. And, and it, I, I remember... I remember as I started to really create it well before I was a resource, but just having that relationship and, and understanding that, you know, if, if you're willing to touch everybody in the job, it's, it's one of the things that I really try to get our, our guys to understand, um, you know, because you never know a loop tech today, uh, maybe a service director tomorrow. And uh, oh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I've got personal experiences. It, it's, it's one of the best things, again, about doing it for a long period of time, because, you know, if you're nice to that guy as he works his way up, uh, you know, I've uh, one of one of the biggest stores that we have, uh, certainly one of the most successful. It's a Chevy store. And and the the service manager there, I know has he's a service director, excuse me, has seen more success than he ever thought he would. But, you know, when I met him 15, 16 years ago, he worked at one of the the smallest, dinkiest little independent shops I, I'd ever seen. It was him, a manager and a technician. And the only reason there was even a manager is because uh, the, the gentleman's the manager's dad owned the block. And it was where he stuck his kid, you know, like, well, I got to employ the guy. I guess he likes cars. I'll let him manage my, my little service station. But um, it, he, the, this, this gentleman now is, is a service director and he, he's successful because he employs the same techniques. You know, he's, he's I, I, I'm going to tell you, he's nice to everyone, but he's nice in his own way. <laughs> he still let them have it when they need it. <laughs> right. 
Well, and you know, there's a lot of those guys out there. The, the, the guys that are, you know, that are tough, but they're fair, you know, and, and there's, there's a, uh, there's a certain level of value to that, you know, just being a straight shooter, willing to say when you're wrong, but also willing to hold people accountable when they're wrong. You know, I mean, people respect that. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I've, you know, I, I believe that you should always, the truth will always set you free. It, it's, it's, it's one of the things again, that, that the kind of the hallmarks that there's a lot of Bob isms that I think are probably going to come out in this episode. Uh, I, I, I affectionately call them Bob isms because uh, Bob Oliver, our, our our distributor, is one of the the most well read guys that that I, I've ever met in in that sales self help area. Um, you know, we've talked about it personally, but I, I really believe in those those things, and and it's mainly because I, I I've learned so much from from Bob, and and you know, he's taught himself. I think uh, a lot of the things that he's been a salesman his whole life and, and a lot of the concepts that he employs that, that I really grasp onto, um, you know, they're, they're not his, uh, you know, he's got a, a phrase that I, I know I've used with you multiple times, but that there are no new bones, only old bones restacked. And, um, I, I really <laughs> yeah. believe that that's, that's, you know, sales, it, sales have been around for a long time and, and there's not really a lot of new concepts in it. There's just new paraphrasing of those old concepts. Absolutely. Now, I don't think you would disagree. Uh, would you, I, I consider you, you know, the, the, the bit that I've gotten to work with you and see you in the field and stuff like that. I would characterize you as a relationship management expert. I mean, would you say that that's one of your biggest strengths in the field? I definitely think it's what I use in the field. I, I have hesitation saying expert because I, I've met so many people that are better at it than me. But yeah, I, I, I truly believe in never really being mean or, or upsetting someone who can hurt you by doing nothing. Um, it, it's It's a hallmark that I use in my life, but... Um, it's certainly applicable in our industry because, you know, again, even if we're talking about that lowly lube tech or a, a porter, um, they can generally hurt you by, by doing nothing or, or just general interaction, inaction, excuse me, you know, choosing not to do something. Um, I, I believe that that's a, a very true statement. And one of the things that it's caused me to look at is, is if you're willing to accept that to be true, then the flip side of that is most everyone can help you in some small way if they choose to or feel like it. Um, and they generally will feel like it if they have some sort of respect or rapport with you, you know, if, if they feel like you understand them. And, and I, I really try to employ that on a daily basis with all the interactions that I have. Yeah, that's a great perspective. You know, one of the things that I've, I've talked to my guys about is, you know, if they, if they don't know you, they don't know you. And, exactly. you know, if, they, if, if you don't have a personal connection with it, we're a very advisor-centric company nowadays. You know, we see them as our front line of defense, rightly, rightfully so. But um, the technicians still play a vital role in our program. And having techs that are not on board, or maybe they're they're just kind of uh, willful willful participants in the program, 
can really hold you back. You can have great advisors, but if they have to fight the techs every time they recommend something, I mean, you're only going to get so far. They'll just stop recommending. You know, I'm going to throw another Bobism at you, but, you know, uh, again, coming from not the automotive industry, just uh, this is such a true statement. The, the, The people don't care how much you know once they know how much you care. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's it's it's just yeah, that it, sums it up. Yeah, especially with technicians, because in reality, the, the reason that I love this particular B2B sale is because, you know, there's not one person that you don't positively impact in how you go about your job if you're doing it correctly. It, it's very good for the customer. It's it's it saves them money. It makes the advisor money. It makes the technician even more money. And then, you know, uh, it, whether it's a dealership or independent, it doesn't really matter. It, it trickles all the way to the top. And once you get to the very top, again, independent owner or, or dealership principal, you know, a transmission service, uh, when priced appropriately, is a very profitable way to, to take care of your customers. Absolutely. You know, you told me about a tactic that you use. Um, along those same lines, you know, simple things like, like birthdays, anniversaries, that kind of stuff. Maybe you can kind of explain, you know, your practice when it comes to those types of things. I, uh, I like to have an interaction with people that seems, um, like, like it flows from a, a place of deep caring. Um, when I'm talking with my, with my, uh, with my own guys, I try to get them to understand that when you think back to the relationships that mean the absolute most to you, your childhood friends, the the people that you would call best when you when you use the term friend, it doesn't matter if you've spoken to them for or haven't spoken to them for a, a week, a month, a year, you know, a decade. As, as things start to happen in your life and you don't get a chance to talk, when you do get a chance to talk, the conversation picks up almost immediately where it left off. And, and that happens when people think that you really are paying attention to them. And so I do my best, uh, whether it be through social media or, you know, a lot of times just with general interaction, you'll hear things in the, in the shop, like, um, you know, like, oh, I got to take my wife out. It's our anniversary or, you know, it's, it's, it's my birthday. It's my wife's birthday. And I, I almost immediately, now that we have pocket computers, I throw it into my calendar and I set up the reminder. If it's a birthday, I set up the reminder for the day. So, you know, it's, it's the same as I tell advisors, if you're going to do something, you know, like, like call a customer back, tell all of them, you're going to call them back at noon and give them that status update, whether you have it or not. So I have a, I have a calendar that goes off usually at 11 o'clock and at 11 o'clock, I'll get the reminder of whose birthday it is. So I don't go to Facebook and, and just post because they're going to scroll through it with the 30 other people that posted in that, you know, hour period. But if you call them and, and let them know, I, I just want you to know, uh, happy birthday. It's a good day. I, I hope you're enjoying it. Um, it. That's one thing. But when you get the things that you're not really expected to 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 wish them a happy version of, like their anniversary, I don't call them on the day of. I'll set that to go off in my alarm a week prior. So uh, what I'll do is uh, my alarm will go off. And for instance, if if I find out when your anniversary is, Casey, I'll call you a week before your anniversary. And 
it's an awkward call when you first start making them, but I'll, t I'll just say, hey, Casey, I just wanted to give you a call, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be the first to do this, but it's your anniversary in a week, and I just wanted to tell you, I hope you have a real good one. The reaction that you get to that is amazing, and if the the first time that somebody said, oh, my goodness, thank you so much for this call. I I completely forgot that that is is remarkable and then they know you care and then they don't care what you know again it, it's it, it it really bonds you to them and it makes it so that you know i, I think a, a general or a standard hallmark that everybody understands is people want to do business with people that they like and you know that that shows them that you really like them and you know, you can do that in a variety of different ways. Uh, we use uh, uh, Solentris. It's got its own built-in CRM, right? The, the customer relations management software. And I, I really try to encourage my guys to, you know, obviously you're, you need to be putting down the, the, some of the details so that you can continue to have a conversation the next week or the, in two weeks when you're back in the store so that you can continue that MOA conversation or that PVP conversation. But, you know, you can use the same software to continue to talk about little Susie's softball game, you know, like, Hey, last time I was in a couple weeks ago, I know you were taking off a little bit early so you could get over to, to your daughter's basketball game. How did that go? Did, you know, did, did she play all right? Did, did you make it to the game? You know, just those kind of conversations. If you can pick it up where it left off, it makes you much more effective. And, and then it, it's not so much the distance or the time between your stops, because I think we all know that if you could stop at an account once a week, it's, it's, it's pretty easy math, right? You're going to see them 52 times a year. But we can't get to all those accounts that often, or we're all not blessed with a small, convenient little territory. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's, you can only see them once every couple of weeks. You cut your visits in half. I, you know, everybody's got those accounts where you only see them maybe once every three or, or four weeks. And that's, now you're looking at only 16 or 12 times a year. It becomes much more difficult to build that rapport, that relationship when you're doing that. And um, if, if you can, if you can pick that conversation up exactly where it left off, you, uh, you're going to really gain more traction in a much quicker rate. Right. It's, it's, it almost doesn't matter what the detail is or how you express it. It's the, the point is, is that you're, you're taking the time to recognize someone like you're showing them that they're seen and that they're appreciated. And, and that in and of itself makes an impact there forward you're that guy to them you know oh, uh, a customer that that feels that way about you you know not only will they will they want to work with you on the program and stuff you know a customer that really likes you and loves you you know they may even be willing to do things that aren't in their best interest or, you know sometimes just to help you Exactly. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. You don't know where that where that small little bit will, will help. Um, you know, um, I, I don't care if it's 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 the lady in the office that the 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 payroll clerk that's writing checks, or you know the 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 gatekeeper that maybe does go ahead and go on back and say, "Hey, I got a guy up here that." I, I think you're going to want to talk to them because again, you know, those people can really hurt you with inaction, but a small little piece of action 
it, it's, it's amazing what it can or can't do for you. You know, so, so switching gears here a little bit. Okay. I know, cause I know you do a lot of training and your training goes a lot further than just like, here's what BG does and here's how to talk about it. You know, uh, let's say you got a brand new advisor just started at one of your accounts, you know, manager says, Hey, I want you to come in and do some training with this person that just started. Where do you begin with that advisor? That truly depends upon, I, I, I like to ask as many questions as I possibly can up front. You know, the manager is always going to have a better point of view than you on what the, the, that advisor can or can't do. So I, I really like to, to get as much information from the manager about what's what they're already doing well so that I can compliment them along the way. You know, maybe he's really good with customers. So, so I'll use that in the training, but uh, you know, any piece of that information that you can get, if how long he's been with the, the company. And then I'll ask a lot of the same questions of the advisor because a lot of them are misconstrued into what, what they're already good at. Right. Um, but uh, I, I, I want to go back almost if you've got some some dedicated listeners I, I think a lot of the BG world has really started to use some Sandler uh, uh, training techniques but you know uh, Mike in one of your previous episodes Lasazo um, discussed the bat triangle and that information uh, especially the way that he phrased it because again we've discussed this uh, a lot of times, you're hearing a, 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 a new paraphrased version of what you may have read previously. But I remember going through uh, uh, the first Sandler uh, training book that I had had read, and I, I really skipped right over the bat triangle. I'm like, oh, well, that's simple. I, I get that. But the way that Mike had phrased it as after all these years of, of training even changed the way that I'm doing it to this day, because I think that generally speaking, all of us are pretty good at, at helping the attitude, you know, the, the, the top of that triangle. And if not, the manager is going to give you an idea of, of whether he's got it or not. And I find, again, if you'll ask enough questions, a lot of them will tell you, hey, listen, <clears throat> I've got you for three hours today. We've got four advisors. You know, this one guy isn't going to make it. And it'll almost always relate to the fact that he's got a bad attitude. So I, I, I think we all skip over or, or generally don't have to hit on the attitude. But what I found myself doing all of these years is jumping right over the behavior and going straight to technique, you know, talking to them about how good or amazing the, the service that we offer through you now is and all of these benefits that you're probably not even going to be able to regurgitate to your customer, you know, uh, uh, things like TFOUT and, and um, uh, oxidation, I, I found myself and, and I knew that if they use that in their uh pitch to the customer, their word track, that they weren't going to have any success. But I I almost wanted them, I suppose, to know how much I know or that we know as an organization so that then when I dumbed it down for them a little bit with their technique, that they would they would jump right into it. But what I found was that they weren't they didn't even have the behavior. You know, he, he talks about it with the uh, with the inspection and 
the way that he phrases getting it, the, the control back to the customer has changed a whole lot of what I do. But uh, again, being an analogy guy, I really kind of break it down anymore to this very simple fact. Unless you're fixing broke, for the most part, all you're trying to do is prevent wear. And so I, I ask him why you change oil, why you rotate tires, why we have to change brake pads, why we have to, to do things like uh, change belts. And generally speaking, you can get them all to admit that it's just because of wear taking place. And then I talk to them about the fluids that we're dealing with or the deposits that we're dealing with inside of a motor and the unnecessary wear that those can create and, and how if you'll just offer it, simply offer it. I think we all know that if you got your top 10 accounts to offer every one of the services every time they find the interval to be acceptable because that's very different across all boards we would probably all be million dollar salesmen you know there's probably a 20 percent take rate maybe 15 if they're absolutely horrible at it but um again just to get them to 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 really understand how valuable wear is, you know, I, this doesn't work too well at, at a small little independent where they might not have the best uh, um, insurance package. But, you know, at a dealership, they almost all have some sort of dental coverage and nobody likes to go to the dentist. Just like I truly believe most customers don't really like to go to the dealer unless they're buying a car. But when they take it in for service, you know, it, it's it's nobody hits that alarm clock first thing in the morning and like, all right, today is oil change day. Just like I <laughs> my alarm and like, all right, going in for my dental cleaning. But the two are very relatable, just like we relate the the industries. Uh, you know, I, I think for a long time people have related dentistry and 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 car repair because because they are very similar. We try to talk, I've always tried to talk to them about how you ever left the dentist's office without that next appointment. It's virtually impossible. I don't understand why oh, yeah. we don't do that in our industry, but, you know, I, I really start to talk to them about the dentist work. And, you know, if, if you've got a group of three, four, five guys or 50 guys and, you know, just show of hands real quick, who here actually does get their teeth cleaned every six months? You know, less than half the people are going to raise their hand. And, and I try to get them to understand that those are probably the same people that if, if shown one or two values of doing some maintenance to their car, they'll, they'll probably buy it. And so, you know, you're going to have to understand that you're going to hear no a bunch, but you, if you'll just offer it and educate a little bit, you're going to hear yes, because I can tell you that everybody that, that is not blessed far greater than I have has had what I would call major repair done to their mouth, you know, similar to hard part replacement. And if you ignore it long enough, it gets worse and worse and worse. Just like the guy that doesn't shift uh, or his vehicle doesn't quite shift right between third and fourth gear. If he continues to ignore it, eventually it just won't go into fourth gear or maybe it won't go into reverse. Um, the same as is with dental. If you ignore that small little pain, eventually that cavity is going to get to the point where you're going to have to have a root canal, and that's terrible. And if if that goes long enough, if if you're somehow amazingly more capable of dealing with pain than I am, you're going to let it go to the point where they're just going to have to pull that tooth. You know, now you're talking about complete component replacement. It's super expensive. It's super painful. Nobody wants to deal with it. And and I think you can relate and get advisors to understand that, you know, the dentist isn't trying to sell you anything. 
But after he does do a good cleaning or his staff does a good cleaning, he's going to come in and just give you a, a brief rundown of what's going on in your mouth because it's complicated and you can't see it. If, if you'll do the exact same thing to your customers, they will value it. And as long as you're not selling it, they're going to be very happy with, with your results. And, you know, another analogy, but, you know, everybody's got a service guy, whether it be like, like I like to use HVAC because I, I called a few HVAC guys in the first couple homes I, I owned. And, you know, the, it's complicated terminology. I don't know anything about it. And I'm always wondering, you know, is that really necessary or, or does that need to be that expensive? But, you know, because they don't even give you the option. At least the dealership will ask you for a Diag, you know. But if you just call an HVAC guy and he shows up, it's it's seventy five bucks minimum, you know. Um, but once you find a guy that talks to you, that explains things, um, he's your guy. And I've moved a couple times now, and I still got the same guy. I think that an advisor that's doing their job appropriately can can become that guy and even if you work for a ford dealer once you're that guy you might not only get their f-150 but if you know their wife drives a subaru and their kid drives a chevy cavalier they're still going to bring them to you because you're the guy yeah absolutely yeah that's mikey b will be happy he's big on the dental analogies he uses a lot of the ones that you talked about in in bgu but so, so you, uh, it sounds like your first stop with an advisor is just getting them to buy into the idea of maintenance as a whole. And, you know, one of the things that I took a lot away from the, uh, the conversation with Lasuzo too, is, is the behavioral triangle. And, and I think an aspect of, of promoting behavior over technique is realizing and communicating to an advisor that, no is perfectly okay. It's, it's you know why they're not just a hundred percent commission. You know, I, you you there there's always a guarantee in the advisor position or an hourly rate on the side. You know, you're expected to hear no, and and really it's just the point of 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 making sure that the the customer is aware that there's an issue because you know they're not going to buy what they don't know. And I've, I've run into very few customers. I mean, of course, the, I, I like to have this conversation, I guess, before we even go any further with an advisor as I'm training them. You know, 10% of customers will probably buy absolutely anything that comes out of your mouth because they can. They love their car. They trust this place. You know, they've always treated them right, whether you're their guy or you're just the new guy. 10% are going to buy everything. <clears throat> On the opposite side of that, 10% of customers aren't going to buy anything that comes out of your mouth. Um, so really, when we're talking about the training, we're talking about that middle 80%, but that's most. That's 8 out of 10 customers that are coming through your door, and very few of those come in and say, hey, Casey, um, I, I've got 30,000 miles. I'm here for my oil change, but I was reading through my manual, and I found that there's a, some other stuff that I need to take care of. They're, those customers, they're, they're, I wish there were more of them. Don't get me wrong, especially those that own Nissans and Infinities and Lexuses, where there's an outrageously right. good maintenance schedule. But they're they're just not that many of them. And so, so you know, I talked to an advisor really upfront about the fact that they are an advisor. Um, they're not called service salespeople. They're called advisors, and. 
that's that's the key part of their job is to advise a customer so that that customer can make an informed decision, not just a decision. You know, uh, and then I, I talk to them about how words matter. Um, I know I just keep going off on this, but but uh, but uh, you know, words truly matter. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a question or a statement, but I noticed it when I stepped into the industry because you know there's so many terms and acronyms and 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 abbreviations that we use that even a, a newer advisor picks up right away because you know they're spending eight ten hours in a shop talking to techs so mm-hmm. you know like I, I was standing back and one of the things I really advise our guys to do is you know especially you have to you have to approach somebody when they're approachable. These guys are busy a lot of times, whether it be a manager, an advisor, a technician, but just kind of pay attention to what they're doing and, and how they're talking to customers, because you'll, you'll hear this a lot. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, the, the customer has, has already had their, their initiation into a program, whatever it is, like, hey, Casey, I'm here for my oil change. Um, so the advisor runs them through the rigmarole, you know, like, uh, yeah, we're going to get that done. We're going to do a safety inspection. You know, we'll let you know the results, blah, blah, blah. So when they come up and let them know the results, you know, a lot of times you'll hear this, hey, Casey, we, we've got back your inspection. You know, even if it's a good uh, advisor, they'll, they'll, hey, you can see a whole lot of this is green, which is great. But my technician has marked down a couple items. You know, one of them is your tie rod end. Um, I've already checked with parts. I've got one in stock. We can get it done just as we finish up your oil change. It's only going to take a few more minutes. I can get it done for $199. Do you want me to do that today? Um, and, you know, and you'll, you see it in a customer's face. They're just like, uh, should I do this? Do I trust this guy? You know, and, and really what they heard is it's going to take longer and now it's going to be $199. I mean, you might as well go up to a customer and say, Hey, uh, Casey, we got your inspection back. Um, tomahawk, tomahawk, aluminum monkeys festering, $199. <laughs> So what I started to do is I I asked my loved ones, um, you know, what what terms do you know? And what I found are there are five things that virtually everybody knows on cars. And it's brakes, battery, tires, oil change, and suspension. That's it. And so, you know, a tie rod end is part of the suspension. I, I, I like to teach my advisors to put themselves in the role of the customer. You know, um, uh, let them know, hey, listen, my guy's found, uh, he calls it a tie rod end. You know, he's, he's the pro back there. What it is, is it's part of your suspension, you know. And, and I tell the advisors, if you don't know what it does, I guarantee you that tech does. So, Get him to explain it to you and get him to explain it to you, though, as he's talking to his loved one. And when you're going up front, talk to them like it's your loved one, because you'll do it in a completely different form and fashion. I know that this is a Mikey B thing, but, you know, if, if you'll show that empathy and, and talk to them where you're really kind of explaining the process and, and what has to happen in order for us to fix your car or maintain it, it's a completely different conversation than though you're talking to a customer. And those are the ones that end up being advisors for life. And, you know, uh, those are the ones that make good money. Absolutely. Well, and, and 
hitting on that note that language matters. Advisors fall into the exact same traps that BG guys do in that they they technical terminology and information makes them feel good and they feel that it legitimizes them to their audience when in fact it alienates it from them. You know, so it's a good thing to work through with an advisor, you know, and to remember as BG rep, you need to put it in terms that your audience is familiar with. Because it's all voluntary on our side. I, You know, one of the biggest things that I find that we have to overcome is you can be a pretty bad advisor and and be successful. I don't think you're you're overly successful, but you can be successful. And that's because of this real simple equation. And that is um, people will fix broke, right? I mean, generally speaking, I only have one car. Um, you know, I, I think most Americans only have one car. So if it's broke, how hard is it to to sell a fix for that and get a customer to do it. You know, they have to get it fixed. It's not like they're going to like, well, I'm going to, I know it came in on a hook. I guess I'm going to put it on a hook and take it somewhere else because I don't trust you. You know, right. Nobody's that, towing it out of there. Exactly. If, if as an advisor, you can make sure that that customer understands the real basic fact of I can get it fixed. They're going to do it. You know, that's one of the things that's led to the massive amount of, of untrust in our industry. And that's because people end up buying things that they don't even know what they're buying. Um, and and it, it's it's difficult because, you know, I, 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 the math equation that I'll write out for them a lot of times is broke times repair. So basically what you're lucky enough to have break around you as a shop times the repair, which is just parts and, and, and service dollars or labor dollars equals your sales, which generally is, is, you know, I don't care if you look at that as net gross, your income, total service revenue. If you're a service manager for the shop, um, you know, total profit, if you're the shop owner, um, a, a lot of places have made real good money for a good amount of time with just that equation. And what I really try to get them to understand is I'm not going to change that equation on you. I think I can probably help you with it so that you can capitalize a little bit more. Um, but I want to, I want to add one aspect to it and it's just maintenance. And if you, here's another Bobism. If you help enough people get what they want, you will eventually get what you want. And, you know, most people are coming to work every day simply because they want to make money. I mean, I, I do get some joy out of, of, of helping people um, understand maintenance or fluids or, you know, that, that small business consultant side of our role. I, I do get some enjoyment out of it, some internal satisfaction. But if, if, if I wasn't getting paid to do it, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it. Um, right. And and I think that everybody at the shop is kind of the same way. So if you can get them to understand that basic equation and then throw maintenance in and, you know, when I say help enough people get what they want, so you get what you want. It's not just BG, you know, maintenance is tough to sell across the board. Uh, you know, most places aren't telling you how they're killing it on alignments or how they knocked it out of the park with cabin air filters, you know, so right. 
if, if you can help them with that, and, and especially, you know, a, a, a dealership where a lot of times, you know, they're, they're graded on some of that stuff. And, and, and an independent shop, I, you know, the, the, the simple fact that so many independent shops own an alignment machine, that's astounding to me because I have a real tough time getting them to buy a PF5, for instance, you know, a good quality <laughs> transmission machine for five, six, seven thousand bucks, right? But yet over there in the corner, you got yourself an alignment machine that had to cost twenty five, thirty thousand bucks and a drive on rack that was probably the same amount of money. And so I've taken to a lot of times working the math for him. I'm like, okay, shop owner, you know, even if you're the guy that does the alignment, what do you charge for an alignment? Like 99 bucks, you know, so, so you're over there for 45 minutes to an hour working on that alignment and you made $99. My PF5 is going to be used just as often, generally speaking, and let's just do the math for you here. You know, we're talking about selling maybe a two, $250 service. Now I don't want you to have to do them all. So I'd like for it to generate about an hour of, of labor. You're going to charge for that. That's going to be, let's say a hundred bucks. You're probably going to mark up my stuff and the fluid. I'd hope you're getting 30, 40, 50% margin out of it or, or markup at least. So, you know, let's just say you pay that tech $30 an hour. You've got maybe $150 worth of product there. So we're charging $250 for the service. You've got, I'm going to say $150 in product, maybe $20, $30 in labor. There's 80 bucks right there. And the best part about it is, is your tech, after he does two or three of them, can generally get them done in 25 or 30 minutes. So in reality, per hour, it's far more profitable to offer this this maintenance service. And you're the one that's having trouble justifying a $6,000 machine. Come on, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of uh, uh, drawing the conversation here to, to uh, before we end here. What, we just closed out 2019. Do um, you think you could give me like your biggest victory of uh, 2019 or what you consider to be your biggest win? We have a large dealer group in Omaha, Nebraska that um, we did pretty darn good business with uh, uh, from before I started. Um, and they, for whatever reason, were pressured enough by the manufacturer to pull out of maintenance, not entirely, but 95% of it. Um, you know, a few of their dealers just stopped doing it as a whole to try to cater to the uh, to the the, the group principle. Um, and we have been working on getting them back. I, I would say we lost the business probably about eight years ago now. And, I, you know, from from that very day, we started to try to really work to get that business back. And slowly but steadily, we had built a, a enough relationship with the service managers that, that unfortunately attrition occurs. So um, we, we lost a number of our, our mainstays in that organization. And, um, 
uh, you know, for eight years, we have been working hard. Uh, about three years ago, they finally appointed a, a, a true fixed ops director who was a huge fan of Mock. He came out of Chicago. He had success with them, trusted them, built a relationship with them. Um, the moment that he could, he brought in uh, 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 some mock equipment and they oh, were man. flying in a rep from Chicago. We didn't have a mock representative in the area. Um, it, it was a, it was a defeatist moment. Um, but I, I, we just didn't stop. I have a couple real dedicated guys that continued to create a groundswell movement with, uh, with their service team. Um, as a team, we were really working on gathering um, and getting an, the, the account back in any form or fashion that we could. I found myself using terms like we're customizable and flexible. We will do this so that it fits your goals, not ours. Um, just to try to get anything. I, you know, I would have taken a can of 44K if I could have got it. But uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, we started to to get a number of the uh, of of the accounts back. It was almost a test. Um, they've got, I think, twenty four stores, uh, one or two in your area. <laughs> and uh, oh, these guys. Yeah. Okay, I know who you're talking about. And so uh, we we very carefully uh, and thoroughly went over what their expectations were, um, what they were really after, and you know he did not necessarily agree with the uh, with the group's principle. He's a maintenance guy, understands uh, how beneficial it could be for customers. What we really started to do is we had a bunch of success around them to the point where. Um, I remember the, uh, the the moment where it actually uh, broke free for us. Uh, they had offered one of their Audi customers a walnut blast to deal with the massive amount of carbon that had built up on his GDI'd motor, and um, they they were the customer was upset at the fact that they only had a $1,500 solution to what he didn't feel was a very big problem. He ended up visiting a tire store um, and told him their, his problem as he was buying tires. They offered a BG air induction and uh, it solved the customer's problem. No more drivability issue, oh, acceleration man. power and came back and, um, uh, you know, we weren't lucky enough for the customer to go back into the dealer and and, and explain what had happened, but uh, the the small independent that that had the victory was proud enough of it and had a good enough relationship with one of our guys that he told him exactly what happened. Um, uh, you know, we took that information straight over to that fixed ops director, and um, you know, he used it uh, to to help gain a little bit more credibility and and uh, uh, value with our product and uh, with the, with the dealer principal saw the value of BG and uh, we we didn't lose anything to mock we got the that particular dealer we started to land a few of the others and their baby this particular dealer principal sits uh, on the the board for Toyota's uh, fixed operations team Uh nationally. So for us to finally work our way deep enough into that organization, we just launched launched their two Toyota stores, which are his babies, um, and and did it with the complete uh, 
buy-in and satisfaction of the entire team. That uh, is is the biggest victory that we had in 2019. But the best part about it was it was a true shared victory. It took a whole lot of staff, um, and not just the guys that got the accounts. Um, uh, you know, the the independent rep, uh, all the way through our entire team played a role in that and to 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 have because at, at, at bg nebraska and minnesota we truly value and 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 bob has instilled a level of teamwork in us that i i have rarely seen in other organizations and that uh that kind of victory with that kind of teamwork was just hugely uh, impactful to us all. And, um, you know, it's one that I'll hold close for a while because it, it's, it's a combination of, of, of really, you know, all 11 of us working as a, as, as, a, as a group and, and doing it across a broad spectrum to get a, that particular victory. And, and that I think we, we, we all shared as a team and uh, we're going to continue to capitalize on it because I can tell you in the short amount of time that we've had it, uh, you know, th- they've already started to become uh, there. I would say they're probably fastly approaching our top 10 um, a- as a distributor. Wow. And, and that's going to be each one of those stores. So it was great. Dude, that's fantastic. That's a hard fought victory. Everybody had a hand in it. And, and it's funny how those stores that are the hardest to get, are generally the best customers in the end, you know? Almost always, you know, all the way down to the the hardest techs. Once you finally get that one, you know, uh, hard old technician that that there's no way your fuel system cleaner is going to be able to deal with the problems that I have to, you know, that they're just non-believers. But once you finally win that victory, once the, you know, the, the, the customer service matches the quality of the chemistry and the technician or the, again, the advisor, whoever it is, sees that they are, they're, they're with you for life at that point in time. You know, they're the ones that are like, Hey, I've, I've got a couple family members coming in for, uh, Thanksgiving. And, you know, I, I want to get some of these BG services done to their car. You know, that, when you get that kind of buy-in, you, you know, that's just, th- those are the ones that you cherish. And those are the ones, again, that, that you're going to have for the rest of your career. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thanks so much for being here, man. I really appreciate your perspective on this, th- on those things. And uh, dude, I wish you the best of luck in 2020. Hope you have a big year. Casey, I appreciate it tremendously. I, I, I think we all will. Um, 2020 for our organizations has been deemed the year of great, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome, man. Well, it's been good talking to you. I'll talk to you later. You bet. Thanks again, Casey. Mm-hmm.